We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the 10th piece in Hochus Tumas Meis. This is Perak Yotes Halacha Beis. And even though this is the next Halacha, but it continues the discussion of the previous three pieces, which were on the previous Halacha, discussing Tumas Ohel in a barrel. So this piece now focuses on yet another point in the debates between the Rambam and the Raivid over this issue. The Rambam writes, If there's a barrel that's hanging in the air at a height of above a tefach from the ground, and there's tuma either in the barrel or on top of it or beneath it or in the house. Hakol tame, everything is tame, so that means everything in the house, everything in the barrel, everything on top of the barrel, everything under the barrel, it's all tame. And the Rambam explains, The rule is that a vessel spreads the tuma, but it doesn't block the tuma from going further. Unlike a regular ohel, where it does two things. It both spreads the tumah throughout the whole ohel, and it also blocks it from going further. So let's say there's a body in a house, and someone's standing on the roof. They are tahor, because the tumah does not go through the roof. But when it comes to a vessel, it only spreads the tumah throughout the whole vessel, but it doesn't block it from going further. So that's the Rambam's explanation for why, in this case, the tumah goes throughout the vessel, and it also continues further onward. Now, the rivet question the case where there's tumma on top of the barrel and the Rambam ruled that the whole barrel becomes Tameh. So the Ravid questions this because as we've seen in the earlier pieces, the Ravid understands that the barrel in all these cases is a clay cheres. It's an earthenware barrel. And the general halacha of a clay cheres is that it doesn't get tuma from the outside. So the Ravid wonders why would it be in this case if there's tuma on top of the barrel, the whole thing becomes Tameh. Why is it different than a regular where if there's tumah on top or on the outside of the vessel, it does not become tameh until the tumah is inside the vessel. Now, as we've seen in the earlier pieces, the Rambam holds that this barrel is a wooden barrel. So this would not be a question on the Rambam's view, but according to the Raivid, that this is a cheres barrel, so this would be an additional problem with the Rambam's presentation, because why should the whole barrel become tameh when the tumah is on the outside? So the Raivid proposes a solution to this based on the Gemara in Nazir Daf Samach Dalid. The Gemara there says, Hamahil al shal tahar. Someone who leans over a sheretz, which is a dead bug. So what that means is it's a suffix naga, suffix lo naga. They're not sure if they touched the sheretz. So in that case, they're tahor because since it's a case of uncertainty, so we lean on the side of leniency. And the Gemara explains that based on the rule of Nizrakin Sveikan Tahar. Any tumma which is thrown, we lean on the side of leniency. And if it's unclear, whether the person came in contact with this Tumah, so they're Tahor. But the exception to this rule, the Gemara says, is things which are mitame milamala umilamata. Anything that transmits Tumah to someone for being on top of it or below it, so those are an exception. And even if they're thrown, the person gets Tumah under them. So one of the examples is a Tame mace, a dead body, where obviously if the person is on top of it or below it, either way they become Tame. So that's an exception to this general rule. And if the body was thrown, even if the person may have been under it, they're still tummy because we err on the side of stringency. So based on this Gemara, 
says the Raivid, maybe that's the interpretation of this halacha. That since there's a dead body on top of a hanging barrel and underneath it are vessels, so the barrel creates a situation of tumah. But since the barrel is also a vessel, it's not able to block the tumah. So the tumah goes downward and makes the vessels under the barrel tame. So basically the Raivid is creating a different framework to understand how the tumah on top of the klecheres gets to the bottom of it. According to the Rambam, from the tumah, which is on top of the barrel, the whole barrel becomes tameh, and that makes the whole space under it tameh. But according to the Raivid, that's not going to work because it's a klecheres, so it doesn't become tameh from the outside. So the Raivid comes up with another idea that the tumah goes directly down towards the vessels, but it needs the barrel hanging in the air in order to make the whole airspace tameh. So those are the two different models of the Rambam and the Raivid. And the Raivid repeats this basic critique in the previous halacha. Again, the Rambam said that if there was Tumah on top of the barrel, the whole thing becomes Tameh. And the Raivid again asks that since we're talking about a Cheres barrel, so how could it become Tameh from the outside? And there he says, He's not exactly sure how to explain the Mishnah. So Rab Chaim asks on this comment of the Raivid, what is he bringing in from the Gemara in Nazir? This case has to do with the fact that there's a barrel, which is a Tzamid Pasil. It's a vessel which protects the things inside of it from Tumah. And that has nothing to do with the Gemara in Nazir, which is talking about a case of Tumah in the air without a vessel. So what is the Ravid quoting from that Gemara that would be relevant to this case? In addition, says Rab Chaim, what does the Gemara in Nazir add that is not already in the Mishnah in Olos that the Rambam quoted? The Mishnah said explicitly that if there's Tumah on top of the barrel, the vessels underneath it are Tameh. So what is the Ravid bringing in from the Gemara in Nazir that adds to this discussion that wasn't already in the Mishnah in Olos? So to understand this, Rab Chaim explains the Ravid's critique more carefully. What is the Ravid's question on the Rambam, how did the barrel become Tameh, when the Rambam already explained how it became Tameh? Because there's no Ohel to prevent the Tumah from going further. So that's why the whole barrel becomes Tameh from the Tumah on top of it, because the vessel only spreads Tumah, but it doesn't stop its spread. So that's why the whole thing becomes Tameh. So what's the Ravid's question on that? So Rab Chaim explains that the Ravid agrees that even though the vessel is not an ohel to prevent the tumah from going further, but there's a different protection that the vessel has, which is tzamid pasil. An enclosed vessel does not allow the tumah in. So this barrel, even though it's not an ohel to stop the spread of tumah, but it is a tzamid pasil, so the tumah can't even get to the barrel to begin with. So in this case, there's no way for the tumah on top of the barrel to reach the vessels under the barrel because there's no way for the Tumah to transfer to the barrel itself because of the protection of Tzamid Pasil. So even if we agree with the Rambam that the barrel is not going to stop the spread of Tumah because that's not what vessels do, but in this case there's nothing to stop because the Tumah never came to the barrel to begin with because it can't get through the Tzamid Pasil protection. And this case is different from the Halacha the Rambam quoted to prove his point, which is that Kalim spread the Tumah but they don't prevent it from going further 
But that's talking about a vessel that doesn't have tzamid pasil. So it becomes tameh, and once it's tameh, then the tumma continues onward. The kli is not a barrier to prevent the tumma's spread. But that's talking about once the kli has already become tameh. In this case, the barrel is a tzamid pasil, so it prevents the tumma from coming in to begin with, so that should stop the spread of tumma. So that's the Ravid's question on the Rambam. How can you compare the regular halacha of a kli that becomes tameh with this barrel that doesn't become tameh to begin with? So now, says Rab Chaim, that explains why the Ravid invokes the Gemara in Nazir. Because the whole assumption of his question is that there needs to be a direct line between the tumma and whatever it's affecting. If there's any break in it, so if there's something that doesn't become tameh, then the tumma cannot continue traveling. That was the assumption of the Ravid's question. So now he brings from the Gemara in Nazir that that assumption is not true. That it's possible for tumma to travel even if there's a break in the middle. So the tumma can affect something even from afar. This is similar to the idea Rab Chaim developed two pieces ago that even if the tumma can't travel to the object, it can still make it tame from a distance. But here he's formulating it a little differently that the tumma doesn't need a direct line between the tame object and the object that it's affecting. Even if there's a break in the middle, the tumma can proceed beyond that first object and continue to make its way further and affect the next second object. And the proof for this is the Gemara in Nazir where it's discussing the issue of Hanizrakin Sveikan Tahar. If a tumma is thrown and there's uncertainty whether the person came in contact with it, so in general we're lenient, we assume the person's Tahar, except for a list of tummas, including a dead body, which are considered more strict and the way the Gemara explains it, they're mitama milamata kilamala. Whether the person is on top of it or under it, either way they become tame. So something which is in that stricter group of tumas, even if there's a suffix, it's uncertain whether the person was standing under it when it was thrown, we err on the side of stringency and they're tame. So now the Ravid read this Gemara and he said, if the tumma goes directly from the dead body to the person over it or below it, so why is that considered a stringency? Why is this group of tummas considered more stringent than other tummas? Every tumma transfers directly from the tame object to the person. So what is it that makes this group of tummas extra stringent that even in the situation where the tumma is thrown and there's uncertainty, we're still stringent in these cases. So there must be something about these forms of tumma, which is much stricter than other tumma, something about the way that it's transmitted. So the Ravid says when the Gemara says that it's transmitted either above or below, what it means is even if there's no direct line from the tumma to the person. So even if it gets broken in the middle, it still transmits to the person. So this Gemara is teaching according to the Ravid, not only that tumma from a dead body goes up and down. So someone who's below it or above it becomes Tameh, but also that there does not need to be a direct line. So that's why it's much stricter than other Tumas, which do need to be transferred directly from the tuma to the person. But in this case, the dead body transfers tuma even if there's a break in the chain of custody. So it doesn't go directly from the object to the person. It gets broken in the middle, but we still see from the Gemara in Nazir that that's the stringency of a dead body, that the tuma still makes its way to the object. 
object. So now, once the Raivid learned this from the Gemara in Nazir, he now applies it back to this case, and that's his answer, that even though the barrel has Tzamid Pesil, so it blocks the Tumah from going inside of the barrel, but the Tumah can still make its way around the barrel down to the vessels that are under it. So even though there's a break in the chain of Tumah, it doesn't go directly from the Tame object to the vessels underneath it, but that works when it comes to a dead body. That's what the Raivid derived from the Gemara in Nazir. That even if the Tzamid Pesil barrel in the middle does not become Tame, the Tumah can still get from the dead body to the vessels underneath it. So the Rambam and the Raivid have a debate how to understand this halacha. According to the Rambam, the Tumah from on top of the barrel goes into the barrel. It then spreads throughout the entire barrel and then goes to anything under the barrel. According to the Raivid, the barrel has Tzamid Pesil because it's made from Cheres. So the barrel does not become Tameh, but the Tumah, because it's a dead body, is able to go around the barrel and make its way down to the vessels underneath it. Now Rab Chaim adds one final point that clarifies the Raivid's approach. Again, the Gemara in Nazir said that Hanizrakin Sveikan Tahar, when it comes to one of the lesser forms of Tumah, if it's thrown and there's an uncertainty whether a person came in contact, so we err on the side of leniency and the person is Tahar. So Tosvos and the Mefarish, which is Rashi, but since the Rashi on Nazir isn't really Rashi, so we've seen before that Rab Chaim calls him the Mefarish, the commentator. So Tosvos and the Mefarish explain that the basis for this leniency of throne Tumah is based on the leniency of Tumah Tzafa. There's also a leniency for Tumah that's floating on water, that if there's an uncertainty, we assume that the person's Tahor, and that's derived from the Psukim in the Torah. So the same leniency applies also in the case where it's thrown. So that's Tosos' approach to this, that thrown Tumah and floating Tumah are the same leniency. But Rab Chaim points out that this does not seem to be the view of the Rambam, because in Hilchus Avos HaTumas Yedalet Gimel, the Rambam writes, Lo Amru Safek Tumat Safa Tahor El Lesheretz Bilvad. The whole leniency of floating Tumah only applies to Tumas Sheretz. So the Rambam limits the whole concept of Tumat Safa, floating Tumah, only to one case, which is Tumas Sheretz, but it doesn't apply to the other more lenient forms of Tumah. So obviously this cannot be the basis for the leniency of throne Tumah, because that applies to other forms of lenient Tumah, not just to Tumas Sheretz. So according to the Rambam, these have to be two different halachas. There's a leniency for throne Tumah, which applies to all lenient Tumahs, and then there's another independent leniency of floating Tumah, which only applies to Tumas Sheretz. So what is the basis for the leniency of throne Tumah? So Rab Chaim says it must be a halacha Moshe misinai. It's one of the rules that Hashem gave Moshe at Har Sinai. And the formulation of this rule was exactly as it appears in the Brisa that only lenient Tumas are included in this leniency. But the stricter Tumas that are Tame milamala kilamata, they make things Tame whether it's on top or below them. So those were not included in this leniency. So that was the exact language that Hashem gave Moshe at Har Sinai, and it was recorded in this brisa that's recording this halacha Moshe Misinai. So now that the Ravid found this source that indicates that there's something inherently different about the way Tumah of a dead body is transmitted versus more lenient Tumahs, so the Ravid explained that the inherent difference is that Tumah of a dead body does not need to go directly, even if the chain is broken, it can still make its way to the next object. And furthermore, the Ravid added, there's a another halacha, which is that a vessel doesn't stop the Tumah from progressing further. Only
only an actual ohel is a barrier to the Tumah, but not a Kli. So putting these two halachas together explains this case. The reason the dead body on top of the barrel makes its way downward is because since Tumas mace is able to transfer even without a direct chain, and the vessel doesn't block the Tumah from going, so the barrel in the middle doesn't stop the Tumah from going around it and going down to the vessels underneath it. And Rab Chaim adds with a flourish that these two halachas that Tumas mace can travel even if it's broken in the middle and that vessels are not a barrier to the Tumah traveling further. Those are the two halachas that form the basis for this chapter in the ninth parak of Alos dealing with the Kaveras. So this is Rab Chaim's explanation for the Raivid. The key conceptual point is that when it comes to Tumas mace and some other strict forms of Tumah, they can transfer even if there's no direct chain from the Tumah to the object.